Well, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult to know who to believe anymore, <laughs> isn't it? You know, here's an example of what I mean. Uh, Verizon and AT&T are currently in a battle right now, both making this claim. We have the best 4G coverage of any car- uh, carrier. Have you heard that claim? You know, it, it's funny because they're both making the same claim, and yet, who's right? Who's telling the truth? And you have to read the fine print, don't you? You have to, okay, pause, wait, wait, what does that say again, <laughs> right? They're trying, they're, they're trying to get you to doubt the word of the other person, aren't they? And, and, you know, you're left going, okay, who's right? Who do I trust? Which phone am I supposed to choose, right? I don't have to worry about that because I, I don't have 4G. I only have 3G, so that's a conversation that I don't have to worry myself with. But, but uh, you know, what about our government, right? We see it all the time in government. And especially now in, in the middle of this whole shutdown thing, right? Everybody's saying, no, it's their fault. No, no, it's their fault. No, no, really, it's their fault, right? When in reality, it's probably everybody's fault, right? <laughs> but who do you trust? You know, who do you believe? Who is it that, that you're going to say, you know what? That's true. That is honest. That is not trying to, to give me a, a different perspective. You know, when it comes to faith, when it comes to how we have, uh, how to have a right relationship with God, or, or even who God is, there are many opinions, right? There are many beliefs, there are many voices saying, this, this is who God is. This is what He wants from your life. And in fact, some people get so frustrated, they see so many different opinions, they see so, many, uh, so much distraction, that they say, you know what? I give up. There's no way that I can know for sure, so I'm not even going to enter into that conversation. I, I, I'm not even going to be able to come to that realization now. Well, these promises that we've been talking about, that we've been studying, uh, these guarantees that God has given us, how do you know that they're true? I mean, how do you know that I'm not just saying what I think God has promised us or, or what I'd like for God to promise us? I mean, that'd be really cool. If, you know, if God never turned His back on us, that would be amazing, right? How do you know? How do you know that, that I'm not trying to motivate you to do something by saying, God says? If that's the case, if, if that is our motivation, if, if that's the, the uh, confidence that we have is that someone is saying it and sharing it, we've just wasted our time. And while, you know, there may be aspects of this series that have been uh, comforting or challenging to your life, if it's based on my words and nothing more, it's useless. But if you've been listening, if you've been following along, maybe if you've been taking notes and writing down, you have a record of who to trust, right? You have a record to say, you know, it's not that Chris said, it's that God said. It's that His Word said. He declared. We've been looking at Scripture. You know, and, and if uh, you haven't been trusting me and my Word, we've been trusting Him and His. We've been trusting what He has communicated to us. And, you know, I pray that I'm a, I've been a trustworthy servant of that, but... Ultimately, it's based on His Word, not mine. 
And the final promise that we're going to look at today in this series is that He will always tell us the truth. He will always tell us the truth. He says, I give you my word. I promise you this is true. In John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. He says, I give my word. Look over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to spend some time there. So make sure that you keep that spot as well if, if you turn uh, to some of the other passages as well. But, but make sure you keep that spot in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, God, after he spoke... <laughs> wait. God spoke. Is that amazing? <laughs> Does that just make you go, wow, thank you, right? Our God is a God of communication. He's, he's a God who is not far off. He's not keeping himself from you. He's, he doesn't have any hidden expectations, you know? There are no surprise requirements for heaven. It's not like we're going to get to the Lord and, and he's going to say, well, why didn't you do that? And you said, well, how was I supposed to know? And he said, well, I didn't tell you, but you should have known, right? <laughs> No, he says uh, he speaks our language. He shares with us all of who he is. He understands us completely. And, and this verse actually says that he's been doing it for a while. Look back, it says in, in Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. He says there were so many times, you can see it over the course of history, that I have been involved, actively involved in communicating and sharing who I am and what I expect. There's going to be no surprises. This verse says that he's been doing it for a while and, and, and uh, he's been doing it over the course of history. In God's word, the phrase, thus says the Lord, is a way that says that God is actively speaking to his people. It was, a, it was a time that uh, God would share His Word with His people. Do you know how many times that phrase, thus does the Lord, is found in the Bible? Over 450 times. God is just actively, continually, and that's just that phrase. That, that's not even, uh, um, as we're going to learn later, uh, knowing that this is the whole Word of God. This is thus says the Lord. But even that record of, of God actively speaking to his people, wow, it's overwhelming, isn't it? You can see the nature of God. He is a God who speaks. And the thing that the Lord communicates, the things that he shares, always have this characteristic. They are true. Isn't that refreshing? I mean, isn't that what we're looking for? Isn't that what we expect out of others? You know, if you come to me and if you, if you share something with me, I really hope you're telling me the truth. And so many times we've found in our lives, in our world, that's not always the case, is it? And you know, it, uh, to a certain extent, uh, you know, you see that intentional deceiving, right? You see that, that uh, uh, I'm going to lie in order to accomplish something. Whether it's, it's uh, to, to get our way or to stay out of trouble, right? Or, or to make a sale. Sometimes we lie to get something accomplished. But we also don't always speak the truth, sometimes because we don't always know it, right? You know, sometimes we speak 
And, and we think, yes, this is true, but in reality, it's not. Actually, <laughs> yesterday, I shared, last night, I shared that it was uh, um, Verizon and T-Mobile. That's not true. It was Verizon and AT&T that are having this competition, right? I spoke something that wasn't true unintentionally, right? It happens in our lives because our knowledge and our understanding is limited. But God says, the words of the Lord are not like ours. They are always true. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. <laughs> God is not a man that he should lie. What does that say about us, right? Yeah, it happens, right? God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent, that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? This verse says, if God says it, he will do it. If God is declaring something, he will come through. That is who God is. Also write down 1 Samuel 15, verse 29. It says, also the glory of Israel, our God, the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. You know, we have our reasons to lie as humans, right? But most of the time, if you boil it down, it's all about maintaining control. It's all about, okay, I am going to control this situation. I'm going to get the upper hand. I'm going to, to uh, um, figure out how I can come out on top, right? But God is completely different because He has control. He is not seeking to get it. He has it. So there is no reason for him to lie. There is no reason for him to try to deceive. He gives us truth. And in Romans chapter 3, uh, the beginning of verse 4, it says, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. He says, if if you went to every person uh, that was ever connected with your life and you found out some devastating news that, that they have all been lying to you, they have all been deceiving you, your whole life uh, they've been manipulating you and controlling you, wouldn't you be skeptical when God speaks to you? When God says, this is what I have that I want to share with you? And you would say, can I really trust Him, right? I mean, I've had all these experiences that have told me otherwise. How do I know that I can trust Him? And this verse that goes to the extreme, it says, even if everyone in your life, all they did to you was lie, know that God is not like that. That in Him is truth. Let God be found true. And it, it, it speaks of that personal experience. It speaks of find out that God is true. Hey, guess what? There is something amazing here. You can, can experience the truth of God. You can experience His faithfulness. God demonstrated His trustworthiness among His people time after time. And you can read His Word. You can read the Old Testament and see how God has spoken into people's lives and how he, what He promised, what He spoke to them, He followed through with. He was always true in what He said. And even when we don't understand the whole picture, 
You know, I think of prophecy, right? There are so many aspects that, that when, when the prophecy was given in the Old Testament, the people at that time did not understand what the, the fulfillment of that would be. There was a certain aspect that they understood, but there was something much greater that they knew, I'm not really sure what's going on. And even in the middle of that, when we don't know, He does. And even as we look at, at, at prophecy, and as we talked about last week, the coming of the Lord, and all the details of that, there's so much that we don't know, but guess what? He does. And He will be found true. That's who He is. That's what He does. When He promises, He delivers. If you want to turn over to Hebrews chapter 6, just a couple chapters over from our, our main passage in Hebrews 1. Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 13, says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. He said, okay, when, when we come to a courtroom, right, we put our hand on the Bible and we say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Right? That is a recognition that God is greater than me. That God is, is more holy than me. That, that God knows the truth, even if I'm not telling it. Right? So when it comes to God making a promise, he said to Abraham, listen, there's no one greater than me. There's no one who tells the truth more than me. He is the ultimate truth teller. And so when he came to make a promise to Abraham, he said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, right? He swore by himself. And it says in verse 2, in these last days, I'm sorry, in, in uh, verse 14, it says, um, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, verse 14, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. He said, Abraham, you can trust this, you can believe my word. Verse 15 says, and so having patiently waited, Abraham obtained the promise. God came through on his promise, right? God, God's word that he gave was true. And all these ways that, that uh, demonstrated that he could be taken at his word, that we could trust him, they were all leading up to ful the fulfillment of the greatest promise, to the greatest declaration that God has ever made, uh, made to man. He says, I give my word through Jesus. Look back at Hebrews chapter 1. Beginning of Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 says, after God had spoken long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many ways and many portions, in these last days, most recently, for that writer and, and, and for those people, most recently He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the wor world. Jesus was the very Word of God. God spoke in so many different ways, in so many different times, and now, ultimately, He was speaking to us through His Son. In fact, John calls Jesus the Word. 
that Jesus was the very essence of the message of God. As God was communicating to us, as God was sharing truth with us, as God was saying, you can believe this, you can trust this, the ultimate expression of that was the fulfillment of His Son. In John chapter 1, 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it kind of clarifies, if, if we don't uh, get that picture there in, in, in verse 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Everything that God speaks, everything that God does, is founded in truth. He is truth. And He gives us His Word. He's, he did it with Christ, the very mouth of God. You see, He wants us to have such confidence in the things that He says to us, the promises that he, He's made to us, the things that, just some of the things that we've been learning over the past couple of weeks, He wanted us to have such confidence in that that He gave us His flesh and bone, God. In 1 John 1, 1, it says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and, are, and have touched with our hands concerning the Word of Life, it was, it was not that God was just saying something. It was that God was giving us His presence, His truth. It was here. He was here living among us. He wanted us to have that kind of confidence, not only because He had promised Jesus, and He had promised what Jesus would do, but Jesus was going to make some promises as well about your life and about our lives. And He wanted you to know you can trust it Look at Jesus. God's word was given to us through him. You know, one of the things I love is when Jesus quotes the Old Testament. And, and actually, I, I love when, when uh, the, the authors of God's word quote the Old Testament as well. And you'll see it a lot in the book of Hebrews. Yeah, I would encourage you, take a look at especially those first two chapters and, and see, it's amazing how uh, the author of Hebrews takes the promises of the Old Testament takes the pictures that God has given us in the Old Testament and says they were all fulfilled, they all have their purpose and, and meaning in Christ. It's amazing. But Jesus, uh, he, he quoted the Old Testament in, uh, many times throughout his ministry. But I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 4, verse 17. This is just one of those instances. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. It was towards the beginning of, of his ministry and he declared that his message, that his salvation, that his words were based on what was already promised by the Father and recorded by his people. You know, when he came to the people, when he began his ministry, he said, you know what? God has sent me, and you can see it throughout all of Scripture. I am the one that he was sending. In Luke chapter 4, when he said he would send a Messiah, when God said he would send a Savior, he would do it. He always keeps his word. In Luke chapter 4 it says, And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And it was customary when a teacher came into the synagogue uh, that, that someone would hand him a scroll and they would read the passage of Scripture and then they would sit down and begin to teach from that passage. And, and uh, in Luke chapter uh, 4 it says, 
the book of, of the prophet Isaiah, and, and this passage is actually in Isaiah 61. So you can look back and see it. But, uh, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. It says, wow, there is something that is going to happen in your lives. He has been sent to set you free, to give you sight, right? That's what happens. That's, that's what we think about in Amazing Grace, right? Well, I was blind, but now I see. My, my chains are, are gone. Wow, God, you have done this in my life. This is what he came to do. And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down as he was beginning to teach. It says, And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, You are hearing and seeing the fulfillment of God's word and God's truth. And you know, the, the people in the synagogue, it was actually in his hometown, and, and they said, wait, wait, Jesus is saying this about him? Wait, isn't this the Jesus who, who lived right around the corner? Isn't he the one that, I mean, we changed his diapers, right? We, 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 we babysat for him. Isn't that Joseph's son, the carpenter? Who is this guy, right? Who does he think he is? They knew what he was saying. They knew what he was claiming. They just didn't like it. The already revealed word was where he turned to the world and he said, look, I've been telling you I was coming. Here I am. He was also validating that that word, that that prophecy that the pages of the book of Isaiah, and, and really he speaks of the, the whole Old Testament, is that they were trustworthy, that you could believe them, that you could know that this was from God. He was validating his own word. And Jesus' ministry with his disciples on earth wasn't very long. It was probably about three years. And there was so much truth that he taught them, so many ways that he was preparing them, but the, in fact, the, the disciples uh, would be used by God in an amazing way. As he sent them out, he would be sharing through them the story of, of the gospel. He would be sharing with, with those around them the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But what happens after that generation, right? We have God's word revealed to us through witnesses. The disciples were eyewitnesses to all that Christ had done, to all that had happened, to the death, burial, and resurrection and, and ascension of Christ, the going up into the clouds that we talked about yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, last week, excuse me. The disciples would be used by God in an amazing way, not only in their generation, but God would use them uh, as, as uh, He gave them the words for our generation as well. We see them recorded and... and uh, put down for us in the New Testament. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, even after the ultimate communication, after the word, I mean, after what we would describe as the grand finale, right? The, wow, that is amazing. God became flesh. He communicated with us. He shared truth with us. He's not done. He continued to communicate his word to us. Our God was making sure that we could hear from him. He says, I give you my word through witnesses. I want you to look back at Hebrews. But uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, the second part of verse 3 says, After this, after this salvation, this word was first spoken through the Lord, after Jesus came, after his life, after uh, his death, after his resurrection, after the message that he gave his disciples, he says, after this, um, where did it go? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> after this was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by those who heard it. He said he confirmed it to those who heard it. Verse 4, God also testifying with them. So when the disciples were speaking, God was saying, yep, that's right. Yep, that's the way it should be. And this is how he did it. He said, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. It was an amazing uh, time where God was confirming his word among his people and, and among the nations. See, as the disciples went into all the world and they said, this Jesus is the Son of God. He came to set us free. He came to give us life. People might say, well, I've heard something like that before. Or that's not what I heard from them. How do I know that your word is true? And this, the Bible says that God was confirming to them and confirming to those nations through these ways, through miracles, through signs, through wonders. Amazing that God confirmed that they were actually His words. They weren't just stories of men. They weren't just accounts of, of men as they, they put it down. These were the words of God. And when the disciples shared the message of the gospel, the Lord was saying, yes, you can trust their word. And that confirmed word was recorded by the disciples. We have a record of his word with us. That confirmed message. The eyewitnesses of the events of the good news have given it to us. This is how Peter put it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Verse 16, he said, For we did not follow cleverly, uh, cleverly devised tales. He says, We didn't follow really good stories. He says, We didn't follow uh, uh, mythology or, or folklore. We didn't follow something that we made up. He says, For we did not follow cle cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I saw it, and I want you to know it. I want you to see it. Also, uh, write down these. Uh, you can look back at these later. These are, are ways uh, that, that the writers described their, uh, uh, how they came to know the truth. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In Luke chapter 1, verse 2. And in Acts 1, 8. In, in 1 John 1, 1 and 2. Luke 1, verse 2. And Acts 1, 8. And you'll notice that they're all kind of at the beginning of those books, right? Because the authors of these books were, were saying, look, 
the basis for these words to follow. These, the things that you're going to read, you're going to be amazed by. It, it's, it's, it is amazing what God has done, but I want you to know it's not just something that was made up. It's not just a story that was concocted. They, they said, we saw it with our own eyes. They were telling us what they saw, what they experienced. Maybe you'd say, well, well couldn't they have made a mistake? Couldn't, couldn't they have heard, uh, heard Jesus wrong? You know, maybe, maybe uh, Jesus said something and they took it the wrong way. Or, or maybe unintentionally they misrepresented him. Or, or maybe even intentionally they misrepresented him. And I love this verse in John 16, 13. Jesus promised them that the Holy Spirit, this is what it says, that the Holy Spirit would guide them in all truth. There's something amazing and supernatural about what God did when they were writing these accurate records. He, was con- he, was, he uh, guided them in His truth. He allowed uh, them to not make a mistake as they were writing, to give an accurate record. How cool is that, right? You can also see in John 14, 26, the same idea. Look, it's confirmation for us as believers that the promises that are shared with us, they are indeed His promises. They were the promises of God. The disciples weren't claiming one thing and that it was different than what was God, that, that it was different from what God was speaking. It was the same God was speaking to them. He was giving his word through the disciples. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That word, that phrase, inspired by God, a lot of times we think of that uh, kind of like, like the movie, right? That was inspired by true events, right? And, and they, they make that claim at the beginning and you go, well, how do I know what's true and what's not? Because most of the time, there's an ounce of truth and a couple tons of made up stuff, right? But it was inspired by truth. <laughs> or, or maybe it's like the artist who, who they were inspired by something they saw and created this masterpiece. But guess what? That really didn't have a whole lot to do with this, right? It was just a, a spark. It was a, an energy that came off of that that cause them to move forward with their art. But that's not this word. In fact, in the Greek, in the original language that the Bible is written in, it's very clear. It says, it's one word. It says, God breathed. Let's read that again. All Scripture is God breathed. Saying it comes from the mouth of God. You know, and, and the author, uh, Paul, was speaking to Timothy specifically about Old Testament passages, but he was also speaking of the character of God's Word. And so by extension, the words of the New Testament. It says, wow, it came from the mouth of God. We have an accurate record of the message of God, of communication of the Almighty. And maybe you would say, you know, it's not God that I have a problem with. I just don't see how the Bible could be an accurate record of his words over the course of time. I mean, this is 2,000 years later. How do I know that what the disciples wrote down is what I'm reading now? Or what the prophets of old, how do I know that that is what I'm reading now? Maybe you would say, 
I don't know if I can trust that. But I would encourage you to take a look. Don't shy away from seeking and from learning more about how God has brought His Word together and how God has preserved His Word for you. Some of your kids in Awana are going to be learning this year that the Bible was written by 40 different authors over the period of 1,500 years using three different languages. They were all different kinds of people, all different kinds of background. They were, they were uh, about as diverse as anything. You had kings, you had fishermen, you had uh, tax collectors, you had uh, farmers, you had all of that. And you know what? The amazing thing about God's Word is that it all fits together. It's cohesive. It's consistent. You don't have one person telling you one thing and one person telling you another. It's because God said, I want to get my message out. And if you wonder if God can keep His Word from getting uh, messed up all these years later, I want you to first think about this. If there is an Almighty God, and if He desires to share His Word, His message with you, do you think that there is anything too strong to keep Him from doing that? If He said, this is how I'm going to do it, if He said, I'm going to speak through Scripture, this is how it will be accomplished, do you think that he can keep it from getting messed up? Do you think that he can keep it from being polluted? There's something about the lasting power of the message. I mean, generations and generations and, and dictators and, and tyrants and, and people have tried to silence God. They have tried to destroy the Word of God completely, wipe it off the face of the earth. But his Word is still persists. We still have it. There's something amazing about that. But also listen to this. This is, this is just like our God. In 1947, there was a cave that was discovered. 1947, that's not really that long ago, right? That contained ancient documents that were over 1,900 years ago. Uh, they were, I'm sorry, over 1,900 years old. So these documents were basically put there were, were written, were, were uh, um, in that place in about 47 A.D., somewhere around there. And they had been sealed up. I don't think they used Tupperware, but they used a, a, a clay pot, right? And, and they had been sealed up uh, with uh, these documents in it. And among those documents were copies and fragments of almost every book in the Old Testament. And guess what? As we looked and as we studied those documents, and we compared it to what we had all through the years, what was uh, being copied even from the, the beginning, as they were written and, and passed on from generation to generation to generation, God had kind of put aside some to say, I just want to show you that my word is accurate and it persists. And it matched in almost every way the record that we had and the record that was sealed away, they, they matched. Actually, there was less than 2% difference in any typographical error, in any, uh, any word, any phrase, and there were no doctrinal or significant differences. There was nothing that God had promised in one place that wasn't found in the other. The Word of God hasn't been changed. It hasn't been twisted. Uh, it it matched what we've had all along. God faithfully preserves His Word. 
the part of his promise to us. If you want to study more about that and, and the Dead Sea Scrolls, that's what they're, they're called, uh, it's an amazing, amazing account of how God keeps his word. And if you have other questions about the reliability of God's word, there are so many resources. Actually, we have one right out on the, on the worship table, on, on the welcome table. So if you want, read through that, seek God and say, okay, God, you say you're trustworthy, show me. And he does. But you know, he wants to share, he wants to communicate his words with the ends of the earth. And you know what? He wants to do that through us. Does that statement make you kind of step back? I know it does me. I I think about, okay, God, you have spoken, right? You have, in times past, you've done amazing things. You've told your people what to believe, uh, what, what to trust and how to trust. And Lord, I, I can see that, that you would use Jesus, of course, the mouthpiece of God, that you would uh, bring truth through, through him. And man, I see, even, even in the, the copy of God's word, I mean, I see the truth in, in his word and I see how you have kept it for me because you want me to know truth. But you're saying that I, I'm supposed to be that too? I'm supposed to be that messenger? I'm supposed to be that, that witness, that eyewitness for you? He wants us to live out Scripture, to live out His promises as we faithfully declare His Word. As our lives reflect Him, we are His witnesses. We've experienced life change that only He brings, right? So does your life show dependence on Him and His Word? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered, and Jesus, here He is quoting Scripture again, He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Is that what what is keeping you alive? Is his word? Are you dependent on his word? You know, I think about, we come to these situations, we come to these problems in life, and we say, God, would would you just be straight with me here? Would you just be clear to me here? Would you just write it in the sky? And he says, um... I used pen and paper and ink. Is that okay? <laughs> right? It says, I've given you my word. And instead of it disappearing and dissipating in the clouds, he says, I've given you right here. You can go to it and trust that it's my word. Are we depending on his word for our lives? And you know, I would encourage you to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, verse 11. You know, they heard the word from Paul, and they, they didn't just say, oh, Paul, man, that's a good message. I, I, I like it. Um, I believe it. You know, the, the people of Berea, they, they took what Paul said, and they said, okay, this is what we know is true, the Bible, God's word. Let's see if they line up. Okay, Paul, they do line up. We trust you, <laughs> right? The same way, I don't want you to trust me because you think I'm a nice guy. I don't want you to trust me because maybe I tell cute stories about my adopted twin girls, right? Aww, right? I want you to trust my word only when it matches up with his. And that's not just for me standing here. I mean, it is important and and essential, but it's also for us as we go out, as we live our lives, he says, when people read God's word, when they're seeking truth, does your life match up with it? 
Does your life reflect His truth? Would you let that be true of your life? Would you let your life be a reflection of His Word? It's amazing that we can trust His promises for us. When we see His promises, when we hear His Word clearly, He says to us, do you trust me or not? You know, all the things that we've talked about, whether it's uh, God will never turn our, uh, His back on us, or, or uh, that, that when, he, when we pray, He hears us, any of those, would you say, God, you know, I trust you. I'm going to believe you for that. Because He will always tell us the truth. Let's pray. Father, we come before You and we are so grateful that You speak to us. We're so grateful that we don't have to to wander around in, in a dark place and, okay, God, is this what you want or is this what, what, what you want? You have revealed to us your word. You have shared with us who you are. Lord, wow. Lord, I thank you that you have given us Jesus, that you have given us the declaration of your word. Lord, he came to set us free from our sin, from our bondage, from the things that hold us down from the the weight that we have to carry by ourselves. He rescued us from that. Lord, He gave us a future and a hope. He gave us an eternity. Lord, if we trust Him, if we believe Him, if we trust His promise for our lives. And Lord, You have used over time Your Word, Your eyewitnesses, Your uh, completed Word, your Bible, your Scripture, you've used that in our lives to speak to us, to share with us your truth. Because you don't want us to go without truth. Lord, in the middle of a world that we don't know where to turn many times, or it's difficult, or we we have to really think about it, or really focus on it, Father, Lord, you say you don't have to worry you can trust this. You can trust what is in my word. I thank you for that. Lord, may our lives reflect your word. In Jesus' name, amen.